Hallelujah. Praise the Lord together. Praise God. The power of God is in the sanctuary. The presence of God is in this house. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Something good is happening today. It's an opportunity for a miracle. It's an opportunity for someone to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Remain standing a moment uh, as I go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And I just feel a confirmation in the Holy Ghost today. And you heard Pastor Shaw talking about assembling of ourselves together. And I'm thankful for the miracle of technology that we've been able to get through this with online and various forms of communication. But it really is no substitute, as Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's an intangible factor. You know, we need to pray in our home. We need to worship in our home. But we also need to pray together, and we also need to worship together. There really is no substitute. In a time of crisis, God can make up the difference. But when we have the opportunity, we need to avail ourselves of that opportunity because there are some things that happen in corporate prayer and worship that aren't going to happen any other way. And uh, we're going to experience that today, Lord willing. Amen. God's going to confirm his word. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read from the New King James, and I'm going to read verse 4 and 5, but also I will also refer to other verses as I preach in the next few minutes. But Ephesians 2 verse 4, New King James, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I want to preach from death to life. And you may be seated. From death to life. Now, if you'll allow me just to take a, a few moments of an update. This is our home church. And uh, my wife and I, most of you know us, but we have three children that are all grown, married, living for God, for which I'm very grateful. And they're all actively involved in a ministry. And so... Um, Last week, I went to Georgetown. As you may know, Brother Donnie Huslidge is out of this church, and he took a, a small church in Georgetown that had a rented building a number of years ago, and uh, he's built it up, and, and he went to the far north of Georgetown, almost to Andice, and built a, new, uh, built a bu beautiful building. Actually, he's built a second building now. So I, we really consider him a part of new life, and he considers himself part of this new life network. But I appreciate his vision because he realized that by moving out, that left the center of Georgetown really unreached. So this church is 10 miles from downtown Georgetown. So a number of years ago, he sponsored a daughter work, Brother Andy Gossett. And Brother Gossett has established a church. And my oldest child, Jonathan, and his wife, Sarah, uh, were just installed last Sunday as associate pastor there uh, and with a succession plan to become the pastor so I mentioned that. Um, obviously, I want you to be faithful here, but I mentioned that so you'll pray for them and that you'll know what they're doing because all of my children were baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost in this assembly. So you have shaped them and molded them, and what they accomplished ministerially is part of the ministry and the outreach right here of New Life Austin. Um, and uh, Jonathan's wife, Sarah, they, the Damon family, of course, is helping but they were one of the first families to come in 1992, the same year we started the church. 
they moved from Michigan to take over a small family business, and uh, they had received the Holy Ghost in the charismatic movement, but uh, they had never uh, been a member of a Pentecostal church. And so when they came here, they found our church and got established, and look what the Lord has done. And then Friday night, my second son, uh, Daniel, uh, he's in the South Texas district full-time as a student pastor in uh, Houston, and he's also the uh, youth president of the South Texas district, and uh, he was just reelected to that position. But Friday night, we ordained him. So he's gone through the steps of local, general, and now he's an ordained minister of the United Pentecostal Church International. Uh, so we're thankful for that. And then, of course, uh, my daughter, Lindsay, and her husband, Cullen, are full-time uh, on the staff of Urshan College, where he is a professor and she is uh, executive assistant uh, to the vice president. And they have just started a life group in their home in Wentzville in the suburban St. Louis area right near the college. Uh, they're working with their pastor there, which is a, in New Life St. Louis is the name of that uh, church. And uh, coincidentally... Uh, but their goal is to start a daughter work in that area as well. So I'm very excited what God is doing. And uh, I want you, if you think about them, know them, pray for them from time to time as they continue the work. But as I was studying for today and thinking about it, we live in such uncertain times. Um, and in fact, I was in a service last night where the preacher preached from 2 Timothy 3.1, in the last days perilous times will come. Perilous, meaning troublesome, very difficult, one translation says. Terrible, another translation says. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt this past year you're living in terrible times or very difficult times or troublesome times? And we read about the riots and, and all the things that caused them and all the people that are involved. You, you, you just, at least me, I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about what's going on in our world, and uh, what we're going to do. And it seems like we live with greater uncertainty and with a faster rate of change where nothing remains the same. Uh, and then that causes stress because, you know, as human beings, we don't really like change. Even if it's necessary, it's not always enjoyable, and, and it brings stress. And so I just felt in the Lord today, to go back to the basics and to remind those of us who are saved and those of us who are looking for salvation to tell you that in the midst of perilous times, troublesome times, terrible times, in the midst of uncertainty and change and stress, we have a gospel that brings us from death to life. We have a gospel that brings us from time to eternity. We have a gospel that brings us from sickness to healing. We have a gospel that brings peace in the midst of the storm, peace that passes all understanding. We have a gospel that brings joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is a great time to be alive if you have the grace of God. This is a great time to be alive in the presence of the Lord. I'm preaching a message. We're passing from death into life. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you read... The text, we were dead in our sins, condemned to death. A book was written a number of years ago when a, a movie was made, 
out of it. I haven't read the book or the movie, but I've read a little bit about it. It's called Dead Man Walking. It's about people in the Angola Penitentiary on death row, and they were condemned to die. But when, when the prisoner, when the guards would move such a prisoner to another location, as they were walking, they would call out, Dead Man Walking. And that meant this person is already condemned to die. And uh, we're not completely sure why they said that. If they're trying to warn the other guards, this guy has nothing to lose, so he could be highly dangerous. Or if it's a, another point of shame, this guy is already condemned to death. But in a sense, that's the story of every one of us. Even those of us raised in church, at some point in our lives, we realize, I've failed God. I've messed up. I've sinned. I had every opportunity, and still I've made wrong choices. I've done evil. I've hurt other people. I've hurt myself. And at some point we realize we're just dead men walking. We are condemned to die. And that's why we, without God, we don't really have the joy of life. And that's why people become frantic in their search for something because it's, they're alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. And so some look to alcohol and drugs. Others look to sexually immoral relationships and, and go from broken relationship to broken relationship because somehow we're dead people walking around with no hope with no life, with no joy, with no peace. But I'm come to tell you that Jesus Christ has turned, changed us from death to life. Even though we're still in a sinful world, even though we're still subject to the trials of life, we have true life, abundant life. We are alive and well. It's a great time to be alive because of the grace of God. Praise God. Praise God. So if you go back to verse 1 of the chapter of Ephesians 2, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were condemned to die. We did not have abundant life. We did not have wholeness. We did not have peace. We did not have joy. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I want you to notice those first three verses mention three enemies of the soul. Three enemies that destroy spiritual life. Every single one of us have been subject to these three enemies. The first enemy is the world. We followed the way of the world. That means our culture, our society. And while there may be good aspects to that, our culture, the way of the world, is filled with sin. And, and so we are born into a world that's already evil, that's already pushing us towards sin. The NIV said, you followed the ways of the world. And that's why we preach, don't love the world. That's why we preach holiness. In other words, you can't just follow the customs of the world. You have to follow the teachings of the word. And then not only the world around us, but the devil. The NLT says, you are obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So not only do we have a culture that's molding us and enticing us towards sin, but we have an evil enemy 
who takes control of our lives. And he is a commander in the unseen world, not by right, but by usurpation. But nevertheless, he brings demonic forces and temptations to us. And sometimes we struggle to do what's right, but it seems like we're overwhelmed. And in some cases, that's because there's a spiritual power that's greater than us, that's pressing us down, that's attacking us. In some cases, it possesses people that don't know God. In other cases, it oppresses, brings a sense of depression and discouragement and thoughts of suicide. Why is there such a high incident of depression and suicide in our day? Well, it could be all these things that are happening, but I believe the forces of evil are coming against human beings and trying to destroy us. And without God, we just follow right along, obeying the commander of the unseen world of evil, the devil. And then, if that's not enough, the flesh, our own flesh, is not holy but sinful. And so, in the text that I just read, in the NIV version, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. The NLT says, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So we have our own flesh pulling us towards sin. And we have evil desires in our own mind scheming against the will of God. And so we have these three enemies of the soul, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Not everything's the devil. You can rebuke the devil in Jesus' name and cast him out, but you can't rebuke the flesh and cast it out. You have to get control over it. That's why we need to pray every day. That's why I need to come to church and hear the Word of God. That's why I need to read the Word of God. We've got to subdue the flesh. We can overcome the devil through the name of Jesus, but we still have to live with the flesh. It seems pretty grim, doesn't it? Seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? But, my text, verse 4, but God. You're born in a sinful world where evil presses you all around. But God, the devil is your enemy. He's attacking you. He's unfair. He's a liar. He's a thief. He hits you when you're down. But God, your own flesh betrays you and devises evil thoughts and has desires that go right directly against your own best interests. And seemingly you're just pulled down into a hopeless pit. But God, I'm here to tell you God makes all the difference God brings you from death to life. God brings you from sin to salvation. God can overcome the influence of the world, the devil, and the flesh so that you can live a holy life. But God. But God. And God gives three antidotes that overcome all the attacks of the three enemies. It says, but God who is who loves us. It's incredible. But God loves us. The classic John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Some people think of it as God up here sending someone else down here, but that's not really the way it was. God doesn't make baby gods. The son of God is God himself coming as a human being so he came as a baby without but he still was God and you say well how could that be well God can do anything right so that's the mystery of the incarnation 
But God, who is infinite, was able, he loved us so much, he found a way to identify with us by coming into our world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus explained in John 15, the greatest possible love is when a man gives his life for his friends. That's the highest love. Even, even in our sinful world, we recognize that. If someone rescues a drowning child and dies in the process, that's a hero. If, if a mother at the last second pushes a, a little child out of the way of an oncoming car and is killed, that mom is a hero. If a police officer or, or a military man sacrifices his life to stop a deranged murderer or a, 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 someone throwing a grenade that would kill a whole platoon, that's a hero. Jesus Christ died for us. He said he died for his friends. Actually, in his plan, we were friends, but actually we were enemies. We are fighting against him. We are the ones who were opposing him. You can't imagine greater love than that, than a man dying for his friends. And, and it wasn't somebody else. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, to wit, to explain, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, dying for you and me, paying the price for our sins, as a, it wasn't as if God was a million miles away saying, hey man, that's really good, I'm glad you did that. No, God, his spirit was in that body suffering every step of the way. The love of God is so amazing. It's the source of our salvation. Because of his love, the Bible says, the second thing he gives us is mercy. Now what's mercy? Mercy is when you're a condemned criminal and then the judgment is lifted, you go free. Mercy means you deserve to be punished, but you get forgiveness instead. Mercy is when sinners don't get what they deserve. Sometimes we get frustrated, upset, maybe even angry at God. We really shouldn't do that, but if we are angry, it's better to go ahead and confess it and talk to him about it. But whenever you get to feeling persecuted or maybe unfair, just remember, you're, you don't want justice. You want mercy. Don't ever go to God in prayer and say, I'm being unfairly treated. You need to give me what I deserve. Oh, no, no, no. You do not want what you deserve. You want mercy. Maybe people are treating you unfairly, but you are not being treated so unfairly more than what your sins would demand. What you want is the mercy of God to cover your life. What you want is mercy. And then the third thing we receive is grace. It's a similar and related concept, but grace is more expansive, meaning God's favor. So if I'm condemned to die, and they say the governor's pardoned you, and they go to jail and say, okay, unlock the door, you walk out, that's mercy. Now, I may be penniless. I may have been in jail for 20 years. Uh, I don't have a car. I'm going to have to hitchhike to get to the nearest town, and then I've got to find a place to stay. I'm homeless. I don't have a job. Uh, well, that's mercy. I got to go free. I didn't get the death penalty. I didn't get what I deserve. But I'm homeless, jobless, penniless, friendless, 
but I had mercy. Grace is when sinners get what they don't deserve. And the positive favor of God. So not only does God set us free from jail, but he says, okay, here's a bank account. Anytime you need something, just write the check. Here's a new set of clothes. Here's a car. Here's a home. Here's a family. Here's a husband or wife. Here's children that love you. Uh, what else do you need? Here's peace of mind. Here's joy. Here's a church family. Even if your natural family forgot about you, here's a church family. They're friends that stick closer than a brother. I'm going to put you in a family. I'm going to meet your needs. Whenever you are sick, you call on me. Whenever your mind, your tricks are being played in your mind, whenever the devil attacks, you call. I'll give you a name. It's the name of Jesus. And that's a name that's above every name. I give you my blood. That'll pay the price for any sin, for any sickness, for any disease. I give you my spirit, and I'll give you the sign of speaking in tongues. And when you're full of fear and doubt and don't know what to do, you just go to God in prayer. You'll feel the anointing of the spirit. You'll start speaking in tongues. I'll give you a daily miracle so you'll know without a shadow of a doubt, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're walking around in a world, but you can encounter the miraculous every day uh, that you go to God in prayer. Every day you come to church, you can encounter the miraculous presence of God and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. What more do you want? Basically, you have a blank check as long as you use it wisely. Grace. Grace. What an amazing God. And if you keep reading you'll see in the rest of the chapter, or, or just the next few verses, verse 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to be brief, but I want you to notice the results of God's grace. I told you we have love, mercy, and grace. That covers everything. But let's look at the, at the results. How does that play out? Well, we're raised with Christ. So just as Christ was raised from the dead, he's ascended to heaven. He's still God manifest in the flesh, but think of it. Wherever heaven is, beyond our universe, there is Jesus Christ in a glorified human body like ours will be one day. We have been raised with him. That means just as Jesus won victory over death, so we have victory over death. Just as Jesus won victory over the devil, we have victory over the devil. Just as Jesus had victory over sin, he never sinned. He resisted the temptations that came. We too can have victory over sin. That's right now. We're raised together with Jesus. And we sit in heavenly places. Now, part of that is fulfilled, but part of that is a foretaste of what's going to be fulfilled. Part of that is reality, but part of that is a guarantee. So we have the down payment, but we're going to eventually step into the mansion. Okay? We're living in that period where we're tasting the world to come. So just imagine sitting in heavenly places. Now, that's not limited to this building. But I think it includes what we're talking about right now. So the people of the world, they're driving by on the freeway. They have no clue what's happening. 
they're driving by full of their problems and their worries and sickness. I got to go to the doctor and and depression. I got to go to the psychologist and this and that. And I got I need a divorce lawyer and I need a counselor to get me off of alcohol. I need this and that. That's what's going on in the minds of the people out here on Mopac. But in here, we're in an oasis. In here, the pressures of the world can't touch us. In here, time just passes by, and we can rejoice in the Lord. We can enjoy the presence of the Lord as long as we want to. We can sing, and our hearts are lifted up. We can pray, and the presence of God touches us while the rest of the world is driving by a Mopac, or they're sitting in their apartments across the way. We are sitting in heavenly places. What a privilege. You say, but Brother Nard, we're going to have to get in our car and we're going to have to go to our apartment or our home and we're going to have to face the rule. That's right. But remember, I said, this is a foretaste. So what you're experiencing now is going to one day open up into eternity. So the difference between us and those people driving by, we have hope. They don't. Yes, we're going to have to face problems on our job. We're going to have issues in our family. And yes, we've got to do this and that. But the difference is we've already tasted what it's going to be like. We've already experienced what it's really like. So we just have to get from here to there by God's grace. We're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and one day that will be permanent. We will enjoy the incomparable riches of his grace. And how do we get from here to there? By faith. Not by your good works. It's no excuse to sin, but it's an encouragement that even if you fail now, which uh, if, if you're new in church, I have to tell you this, you, you will probably mess up sooner or later. You will probably fail sooner or later. But even if you do, if you fall down, get back up. Keep moving because you're trusting in the Lord. You're not trusting in yourself. It's not how good you are. or It's not how perfect you are. It's that you're trusting in Jesus Christ. You just keep walking by faith. It's not by works. But he does create us so we can do good works. It's no excuse to sin because now for the first time in your life, you really can do what God wants you to do. You don't really have to succumb to the motto, the devil made me do it. That might be true before, but it's not true now. The devil can't make you do it if you're a child of God because you have been created for good works. You have been recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. You can live for God. So the good news is this taste of heaven that we experience right now, if you just keep walking by faith, that's going to one day be a permanent reality where you will enjoy the incomparable riches of Christ. I wish we could share all the testimonies of what I'm talking about, even in this local assembly. But some would be too personal. When we get to heaven, maybe we'll share the full story. But I can tell you, even in the physical, I've seen people go from death to life in this assembly. Thomas Sykes, my wife's grandfather, basically died of a stroke in church. We prayed for him. God raised him back to life. The doctor couldn't account for what happened. I remember Daryl Scannell had a massive heart attack. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. He's in Colorado now. He had a massive heart attack, died. The EMS was able to shock him back to life, but the doctor told me 
with all that what happened when he was basically clinically dead for the period of time, he said 4% of people survived that. Well, he's one of the 4%. He's alive today, many years later. Trey Rosenblatt, I don't know if you're here today. I think you're still part of this assembly. I remember when he had the chemotherapy and radiation for throat cancer. His immune system was destroyed. He had a stroke. He was in the hospital, had a heart attack. The doctor said sign the do not resuscitate form because he's going to keep having heart attacks and he will keep bringing him back to life. He said, but it's no hope because he only has a 10% chance of surviving this night. And if he comes through the night, we don't know if he'll ever come out of the coma. And if he comes out of the coma, we don't know if he's going to have any brain function left. So just, just the next time he has a heart attack, let him go. But you know what? There's only a 10% chance he'd make it that night, but we prayed. And it could have been 10% chance. It's just a coincidence. But if it's a 90% chance, it must have been a miracle, right? Because he came out of that coma. He came out of that hospital. He went back to work. Now, that's just in the realm of the physical, of de from death to life, people in this assembly. But I could tell you people who are atheists or agnostics, who are past or present members of this church, did not even believe in God. But they're here today by the grace of God. I can introduce you to people who are Buddhists that try to meditate their way to salvation, but they're here in this assembly by the grace of God. I could tell you stories of people who, who we baptized that were in prostitution. They were addicted to cocaine. They were addicted to alcohol. Their lives were ruined. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you all their names, but some of them may tell you some of their stories. But I can say they're people, they're, they're good middle class uh, people who attended church, but they too were dead in their sins. They too were headed for a destiny without God, but they're here today by the grace of God. Their sins have been washed away in the name of Jesus Christ. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost and have new life. They were dead men walking, but they're alive today. They're part of New Life Austin today. Why? By the grace of God, by the love of God, by the mercy of God. Would you stand with me? Me today. We are here by the grace of God. We're standing by God's grace. We're here because of the matchless love of God, because God so loved us. God was so rich in mercy. God had incomparable grace. And so most of us who are living in that grace, I just wanted to remind you, in the midst of COVID and rapid changes and upheaval in society, you're doing fine. You're going to be okay. You're going to enjoy life. And whatever's lacking here, it won't be long. You'll be in eternal glory. Would you close your eyes with me? Let somebody, if you've been struggling, let God encourage you right now. If you've been frustrated, if you've been worried, if you've been stressed, let God encourage you right now. Would you just call out to God? Maybe you'd like to come to the front to stand or kneel. And obviously, we'll respect social distancing, whatever you feel is appropriate. But if you need a touch from God, why don't you come? Just let God's grace bless you today. Just let God's love surround you today. Just let God's mercy give you hope. 
And if you're here today and you really don't have assurance of salvation, well, that can change. You can come from death to life right here today in the next few minutes. Would you come also? If you know you need to be forgiven of sins, why don't you come and pray the prayer of repentance? God, forgive me of my sins. Maybe you'd like to kneel here. Or if you want to stand and confess your sins to God and say, Lord, I need mercy. I need grace. I need love. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to break away from the the pressures of the world and the domination of the devil and the lust of the flesh. If you'll pray the prayer of repentance, you'll feel the burden begin to lift right then. You'll feel the love of God right there. And then what you do is you start praising God. You start speaking with your lips, thank you, Jesus. And then in a few minutes, you'll be speaking in tongues, a language you never learned because the Spirit of God will come inside and do a miracle of confirmation. Is there somebody today you'd like to be filled with God's Spirit? Would you come? Maybe you'd like to invite someone to come with you today, a friend or family member. Could you come together? I think God wants some people to come to receive the Holy Ghost. Would you come? The grace of God is here. We're moving from death to life. Open your heart to God right now. Open your heart. Something is happening as they sing. I, I feel something is happening. God's going to confirm something. God's going to encourage you. God's going to give you strength. God's going to fill somebody with the Holy Spirit. Come on, yes. Come on. Open your heart to the grace of God. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. If you're online, don't just quit just yet. Right where you are, reach out to God. God's speaking to you. The grace of God is here. Yes, He died for me. The sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I
Yeah.